and so um, before we do that, I, I invite you to, uh, to pray with me. God, open our hearts and minds uh, to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us and transform us, um, conform us to the person of Christ. And for it's in his name that we pray. Amen. It's been said that the most important prayer in the world is just two words. Thank you. Thank you. I can remember when I was growing up that that phrase was one of the first ones that my parents impressed upon me. And now as a parent myself, I'm trying really hard um, to stress the importance to my boys of saying thank you. Thankfulness or gratitude is an embodied posture that followers of Jesus are supposed to possess. Um, In our communion prayer, we say, it is a good, right, joyful thing always and everywhere to give you thanks and praise, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. After all, we are the receivers of salvation as a gift. But thankfulness does not happen automatically or, or naturally. We have, to be, we have to intentionally practice gratitude. As Franciscan priest Richard Rohr is fond of saying, we don't think our way into a new way of being. We live our way into a new way of thinking. We become thankful people by practicing gratitude and, and thankfulness, by giving thanks. Gratitude opens our heart to the beauty and, and wonder and the gifts that God gives us. It, uh, it helps us savor who God has, has created, made, made us to be. It promotes our, our spiritual, our emotional, our physical well-being. And there are, however, gra- uh, barriers to gratefulness. There are things that get in the way, and we're, if we're not aware of them, can rob us and block us from being grateful people. Like checking our blind spot when we're driving to avoid having an accident, we need to check these potential blind spots when it comes to enemies of gratefulness so that we don't crash uh, in life. So over the next five Sundays, we're going to be looking at five things that can keep us from being grateful people God calls us to be, uh, with the hope that if we can become aware of, of these things, these barriers, we might be more intentional then about practicing thankfulness instead. So today we begin with entitlement. I invite you to hear now God's word. Today's scripture lesson comes from Luke chapter 14, verse 7 through 14. Listen for God's word. When Jesus noticed how the guests sought out the best seats at the table, he told them a parable. When someone invites you to a wedding celebration, don't take your seat in the place of honor. Someone more highly regarded than you could have been invited by your host. The host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give your seat to this other person. Embarrassed, you will take your seat in the least important place. Instead, when you receive an invitation, go and sit in the least important place. When your host approaches you, he will say, friend, move up here to a better seat. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. Then Jesus said to the person who had invited him, when you host a lunch or dinner, don't invite your friends your brothers and sisters, your relatives, or rich neighbors. 
If you do, they will invite you in return, and that will be your reward. Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, crippled, lame, and blind, and you will be blessed because they can't repay you. Instead, you will be repaid when the just are resurrected. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus, Jesus saw the way they were jockeying for, for seats of, of power, seeking out the best seats at the table, each one thinking, maybe even almost by habit, that they deserved to be there, like it was owed to them. Dinner and, and banquets in, in, in those times were more than just occasion uh, to eat. They were the stages on which social status and power were, were acted out. Seating arrangements um, portrayed a highly, highly rigid social structure that privileged those with honor and status. According to historians and New Testament scholars alike, the host's status determined whom he invited because either the invited would uh, enhance or preserve the host's social status or bring it down. Since one's social status was valued and sought after, it mattered greatly where one sat or was invited to sit or allowed to sit. For one, it publicly acknowledged the status of the guests, plus it mirrored the host uh, relationship, status relationship to the guest, uh, which was also in turn a sign of the host's social standing. Except for Jesus, the men at that social gathering, at that banquet, belonged to the, to the inner circle, and they felt entitled to be there. Perhaps they, because they had invited the host to one of their dinners before, they felt entitled to the seats of honor because perhaps they had, been, they had invited that host to uh, similar seats of honor before. In other words, this, this meal was all of the social awkwardness and drama of a middle school cafeteria with kids jockeying for a seat at the cool table. And Jesus saw their, their sense of entitlement and, and confronted it. Entitlement is a, is a tricky thing because those who have it are usually oblivious to it and are also immediately defensive when it is exposed or, or talked about. Entitlement is a personality trait characterized by the belief that one inherently deserves preferences and resources that others do not. A sense of entitlement is, is established and, and upheld by the belief that we are the center of the universe and if the universe does not meet, meet our needs and, and desires, all hell will break loose. In simple terms, people with a sense of entitlement believe that the world owes them something in exchange for nothing. It says, what's yours is mine and what's mine is mine. <laughs> Entitled people are the ones who expect others to hold the door for them, but they don't hold it open for others, literally and uh, symbolically speaking. They're the ones who feel massively put upon when, when asked for small favors, but when they ask for a favor, it's no big effort. If you're entitled, you expect the same rules that apply to, to others that shouldn't apply to you. You expect others to be more interested in you and your uh, agenda than you're interested in them and their agenda. You think it's okay to upset or offend someone or offend other people, and you see people who like to keep the peace as, as weak. For people who, who exhibit entitlement, the expectation of privilege is so great that equality and justice feels like oppression. And anytime someone dares to try to decenter 
a person who feels entitled, there is great defensiveness. And pastors and churches, by the way, are not exempt from this either, not immune to it. Just this week, I caught myself thinking, you know, since we've started Village Church Rollsville, we haven't done any, like, gimmicky or salesman or, or pushy kind of stuff to try to get people to come to our church. We've tried so much to do, do things the right, the right way. Don't we deserve to grow more? When a car pulled out in, in front of me, a little too close this week, you, you would have thought by my overreaction that I was entitled to the entire road. I'm sure. I'm sure we can all think of, of times, occasions, situations when a sense of entitlement, either, either obviously or, or under one of its many disguises, quietly crept up and, and began to erode our gratitude. This is what Jesus confronts in today's scripture passage. This is what we must confront in ourselves if we want to be grateful people. It was easy for the well-off and the well-trained like the Pharisees to think they deserved their places at the table, that they were superior to others. The entitlement attitude is dangerous precisely because it sucks the need for thankfulness out of any gift or any circumstance, if we think we deserve it, then it's not a blessing or a gift. And if it's not a blessing or a gift, then what are we thankful for? Or as philosopher Paul Tournier said, no gift can bring joy to the one who has a right to everything. Gratitude begins where our sense of entitlement ends. Jesus knows a sense of entitlement creates less space at the table and in our hearts. Gratitude opens up more space. So this scene becomes a teaching moment with tables. When someone invites you to dinner, Jesus says, don't take the place of honor. Don't center yourself. Don't think you're entitled to it. Instead, when you receive an invitation, go sit at the, the least important place. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who, who make themselves low will be lifted up. In other words, be, be grateful that you have a place at the table at all. Jesus is saying those who come to the dinner table or, or the table of life, seeking honor for themselves because of a sense of deserve, haven't really grasped the ways of God at all and aren't capable of a, of a posture of gratitude. Because the truth is, no one deserves a seat at the banquet table in the kingdom of God. The only one entitled to a seat there is Jesus, the host. All are unworthy guests. Jesus presses further. When you host a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your relatives, members of your family, or rich neighbors. If you do, they'll invite you in return, and, and that will be your reward. Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. In other words, go invite the people who never get invited. Those from the wrong side of the tracks. Those, those marginalized who don't get a seat at the tables, particularly of power and prestige. For, for us as Christians today in 2020, let's make this brutally honest and concrete here. 
Jesus forces us to think about which people have been and are the ones taking for granted or assuming the best seats at the table are for us, and which people are the ones marginalized that don't have a seat at the table that need to be invited. Jesus forces us to think about which people have been and are the ones just taking for granted or assuming that the best seats at the table are for them, and which ones are the marginalized that don't have a seat at the table that need to be invited. It forces, uh, it forces us to hear Jesus inviting me, inviting you, challenging us to decenter ourselves and invite people marginalized at tables that we may have felt entitled to without even realizing it. And you will be blessed. You will be blessed, Jesus says. Why does Jesus prescribe inviting people on the margins, people different than them as, as elite Pharisees, as a prescription for entitlement? So that they understand their profound connection with them and to open up to them the possibility of gratitude and the realization that all are undeserved guests at the table of grace in God's kingdom. The truth is, friends, in God's story, you and I, as non-Jews, as Gentiles, were the ones from the other side of the tracks. And Jesus gave us a seat at the table. That's precisely why the gospel is such good news because we got a place at the table the heavenly table and we did not do one thing to deserve it in fact jesus himself paul reminds us though he was in the form of god did not feel entitled to that status but took the form of a servant and being found in human likeness humbled himself and became obedient even to death on a cross Jesus confronts entitlement with humility. Entitlement separates by putting down others. Humility identifies with others, recognizing we all have the same fundamental needs. Entitlement destroys through its separating self-service. Humility opens doors with its power to sympathize with the struggles that we, we all share. Entitlement thumbs its nose. Humility offers an open hand. And, and open hands and, and open hearts are thankful ones. Humility paves the way for gratitude. You see, by, by inviting and making welcome the poor, the needy, the sick, all those traditionally without a seat at the table, we can begin to recognize ourselves fully in relationship to another self other than ourselves. If entitlement blocks gratitude by convincing us that everyone in the world owes us something, humility reminds us that we owe God and others our thanks. If entitlement blocks gratitude by convincing us that we are the center of the universe and that we have a right to everything, then humility reminds us and opens the channel back up by reminding us that we are not the only ones on the stage of life. In fact, the only reason we are on the stage of life is because of God and other people. No one can exist without massive amounts of support from others for which we should be profoundly grateful. Who grows our food? Who sews our clothes? Who builds our houses? Who makes sure that water comes out of our shower heads? How are we even born? 
The truth is we have not done one single thing alone without the help of a small army of others and without the grace of God. Jesus challenges us, just like he did the guest, to revoke that entitlement mentality that blocks our gratitude and manipulates people and relationships to to self-serving ends and be willing to, to offer the best to others, to make a space for all, to make a space for gratitude. Maybe, maybe God will, will reveal something to us like God did with Ruby Turpin in Flannery O'Connor's short fiction story entitled Revelation. Ruby is a, a very large southern woman who reeks of entitlement. I mean, she is the, a walking caricature of entitlement. She feels her actions and decisions make her superior to people of color and those she calls white trash. She occupies time by naming the different classes of people. The story opens as she and her husband Claude enter a doctor's uh, crowded waiting room, a doctor's office crowded waiting room. She uh, immediately thinks how, how much better the office would be arranged if she were in charge. She notices a dirty toddler with a runny nose lying across two seats and is quietly offended that the child's dirty mother doesn't make him move over for Mrs. Turpin to sit. White trash, she thinks. She then strikes up a conversation with a woman who's there with her college-age daughter. And the, uh, the daughter is, is reading a book and only looks up time to time to glare and scowl at Mrs. Turpin. Ruby and the woman chat about how important it is, the importance of being clean and, and hardworking, having a d- good disposition and being thankful. The woman begins to speak about her daughter in the third person, saying she knows a girl who should be more grateful. Claude then suggests that this girl ought to be paddled. Outraged, Mary Grace hurls the book she's reading at, at Mrs. Turpin, striking her above the eyes. She then uh, lunges across the table and, and grabs hold of Mrs. Turpin by the neck. The girl is subdued and given a sedative by the doctor. And before Mary Grace succumbs to the sedative, Mrs. Turpin feels the need to, to confront her. What you got to say to me? She asks Mary Grace. She looks into Mary Grace's eyes and has a feeling that Mary Grace has a message to give her. Go back to the pit you came from, you old warthog, whispers Mary Grace. Mrs. Turpin finds this comment very unsettling and, and wonders if it, if it may be a message from God trying to intervene in her life. Hating that notion and, and still upset, she returns home. While feeding her own hogs, hosing them down, obsessing over what she's scared might be a true message from God, Mrs. Turpin rages. She scolds God, demanding to know how she possibly could be herself the upstanding, polite, good Christian. Uh, she sees herself and a warthog at the same time. At that moment, at that point, the rays of, of the setting sun had become a kind of of road from the earth to the sky. She has a vision of redeemed souls winding their way to heaven. In front, arriving in heaven first before her are all the people Mrs. Turpin considers inferior 
and unworthy of either her or God's love. And at the rear of this parade into heaven, she sees the faces of herself, Claude, her husband, and her high society proper Christian friends as they appear all shocked and altered. In the woods around her, the crickets begin to to sing their choruses, but what Ruby hears are the voices of the souls climbing upward into the starry fields shouting, Hallelujah. There, a revelation of gratitude. All who lift themselves up will be brought low. Those who make themselves low will be lifted up. Friends, may may Jesus confront in us whatever entitlement we have in its many disguises. May it get pushed out by humility so that we might be truly grateful people, welcomed at the table of mercy and gratefully inviting others there too. As we all shout, Hallelujah. Thank you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, I invite us to continue to listen for what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us today uh, for the next couple of minutes as we ponder together this question.